0: he will be looking at John chapter 1 verses 1 to 8 up. in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God he was with God in the beginning through him all things were made without him nothing was made that has been made in him was life and that life was the light of all mankind the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it There was a man sent from God whose name was John, that's the Baptist. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own people did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes in after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. Grace. Grace. And truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. Kyron?
1: Yeah, I did finish my studies. Uh, I have no regrets. Yeah, thanks. I started them in 2001. Regrets... I'd do it again, I feel like it was what God wanted, but oh man, it broke a lot of things in me. One thing was, the Bible just became like another text that I referenced, and I lost a lot of passion and love for it. But I thought, I'm going to go through the book of John, because it's my favourite book. most overwhelming book (laughs) and uh, I feel like I have that passion and love back and it just came out in manic gibberish so I feel like excited to preach but also I'm looking at my notes going oh my goodness this could be a train wreck so maybe the title of today's sermon will be the manic dribble about John 1 to 18 I hope not I'm going to pray Yeah, Heavenly Father, guide us this morning. Spirit be with us. Help us to understand you, Jesus. We love you. Help us to fall in love with you again. In love with your word. Amen. So, we land here. John 1, 1 to 18. Um, I've read... Lots and lots of commentaries on this. It's a real landing pad, 1 to 18, for for the Gospel of John. Um, Dale Carson calls it the foyer. So, welcome to the foyer of John. Hope you feel good. You can imagine some really just relaxing jazz playing in the background. Um, Here, John gives us the eternal story of Jesus in just a couple of sentences. And it's super overwhelming. I'm not sure if you are listening to just even the first two opening sentences. It's just stated in this matter-of-fact way, these huge theological concepts and also the history of the person of Jesus. Um, Here he introduces the major themes and claims he will be addressing um, and he also decides the content based on the claims he makes here. So it's really important that you start to understand that. This, For me, a lot of the time reading John, I'd kind of look at this and go like, whoa! And then I'd just get into reading John and look at the stories and, and um, the places where Jesus speaks to people. But I really want to unlock this intro for you. So... These themes, and this is how I imagine it, they run through the book like threads. And I find that these themes get their color. The Old Testament, they're given their their colour or their meaning, and then John runs those threads in through the life of Jesus, and he pops those threads up, lots of different colored threads, to form a picture of Jesus through different events in Jesus' life and it is an absolute masterpiece. It is such a masterpiece that like the last hundred or so years, so, so many commentable to be historical. But this inspired Word of God is both beautiful and it's history. Um, I, want, I want to give you a bit of an example of this because so far it probably does sound a little bit like gibberish. So, I'm just going to give you Nicodemus. This works with any part of John you go to. So we see Nicodemus, who comes to us in chapter 3 of this Gospel. Nicodemus is first life and light. So we see life and light. And this is a thread that runs back to creation. So in the beginning there was, and we think, oh, in the beginning there was God. And uh, and, and then God spoke and light came about that is one thing there's also the word is connected to light in the Bible in the Old Testament frequently most popular is Psalm 119 God's word is a lamp or a light to me so this life becomes a major thing and then that is put together with an idea of darkness so there's this opposition to light from darkness that's in the world and then This darkness, the greatest darkness, which is disbelief, sin, any kind of opposition to Jesus, comes from the inner circles of Jesus. So God's own people are the darkest to his word. And then it moves out in 1 to 18. And so the story is given to us that a Pharisee, Nicodemus, comes at night. So here we have a nighttime story. In the darkness, Nicodemus comes, grabbing hold of that thread, going the whole way to John 1 to 18, and then through into the Old Testament, that darkness and light. Who is Nicodemus? He's a Pharisee. He's one of that inner circle. Then we get, he came, but he wasn't rejected by the world, but also God's own people, the Jews and particularly the Pharisees. John is pulling on that thread. He didn't understand Jesus. Hangstenberg, which is a name I probably just butchered, he says, Nicodemus's night was blacker than he knew. See how these stories are chosen to pull on these different threads. And so 1 to 18, John 1 1 to 18, is really a land, this foyer. Works to, to introduce all these themes, but also help us to navigate through the book of John and understand it in the context of God's whole story. Um, yeah, people like D.A. Carson is one example. There's quite a few. They even think that uh, this is an evangelical, like a, a evangelistic text for Jewish people. It's trying to convince. Not only that, in the story of Nicodemus, there's another thread pulled, in case you were wondering, another thread which is the witness thread. So throughout the book of John, there's this idea of witness. That's why John the Baptist is introduced so early in 1 to 18. It's because of that witness thread. It runs back to the prophets who were rejected and it runs forward to Jesus. And Jesus is a prophet with no honour in his own hometown. That thread is pulled. And Jesus goes on to talk about And he also goes on to explain the light and the darkness. It is so amazing to see all these things in the book of John. If I can do nothing else this morning, if you could just be pumped about the Gospel of John and want to go home and read it, that is part of the purpose of John 1, 1 to 18. And how does John do this? It's crazy. I remember um, when I got married in 2007, um, my best mate... Ollie, my best man, stood up and he said, never has a best man had so much material to work with. (laughs) That was the beginning of his speech. I'm sure there's someone out there that had more material. but he did have a lot of material. (laughs) Um, And this is how it's done. Another amazing thing about John is he is, um, it's a beautiful piece of literature. It is great storytelling. John does a narrator reveal. So we see John is the narrator things. Oh yeah, the disciples didn't understand this bit. And then he'll go on to what Jesus said again. And then he'll go like, yeah, and everyone was super confused. But we figured out there was actually this. And so there's this narrator that runs the whole way through the book of John. And we don't know who he is until the end of John. Now if you want to know, right, right, right at the end of John is our, it's called a delayed narrator reveal. Usually a delayed narrator reveal goes together with an untrustworthy narrator. So if you've seen something like, as a soul say, the bad guy is actually the dude who was telling you the story the whole time. And you're like, boom, mind blown. But it also makes you trust him less. John does the opposite here. When John reveals himself as narrator, he makes us trust him more. So we see. Who is he? Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved... So John never mentions himself by name in this Gospel, but he's always a disciple whom Jesus loved. They, this disciple testifies to these things, who wrote them down. We know that this testimony is true. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them was written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. In other words, never did a man have so much content to work with. This was Jesus, probably Jesus' best friend. Part of the twelve and part of the inner, the three. And that's how we could weave together this masterpiece. And this, this masterpiece really comes to a head uh, in 1 1.14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace. This is meant to hook you into the story. This is meant to be a truth so enormous, so profound, but you can't help but read the entire book in one sitting. We lose a bit of that. Hopefully, we can gain a bit of that back. So first of all, who is the Word? In the beginning was the Word. And I'm going to go quickly through this because the rest of John expands on and explains these things through his stories and so I don't get it. Don't worry, just keep coming to Edak and we'll go through John together and we'll understand it all. So who was the Word? So strange. In the beginning there was, and we're meant to think in the beginning, God. And it's deliberate. It's deliberate that we would think that. But John, he plays with us here, subtly, and he goes, in the beginning was Word. And we well, hey, hang on a second. Confuse a divine person in the beginning with God. And so we think to ourselves, who is this Word? Who is this Word? And it's not revealed. John loves to string you along, get used to being strung along. He strings us along till verse 17. It's not until verse 17 that we realise that the word is Jesus Christ. We're given the name. He even gives us a little false, um, uh, an anti from God. Oh, but it's just John. He's not actually the word. <laughs> but we, we only realise that word is Jesus. So using this, It puts the person of Jesus, it stretches him to his true beginnings by putting him in eternity to say he is with God, he has no beginning. See, Mark starts his gospel with a 30-year-old Jesus. When Jesus starts, he does some genealogies, one back to Abraham, one the whole way back to Adam. But John goes, no, 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 no. The person of Jesus is eternal. So why does he use the word, word? Jesus' name was given to him. You know, just before he was born, born, but then he received it at birth. And his body was given to him, you know, built in the room and then brought forth. So they have a beginning on the space-time continuum to the being. Once again, it's an Old Testament concept. This is where John goes to the Old Testament again, to pull on a thread. The Word of God is used constantly. The Word of God came to Isaiah, Isaiah 38. In Psalm 33, the Word of the Lord made the heavens. Um, In Genesis and Psalms, we see God simply speaks and His powerful Word creates. The Word brings deliverance and judgment. In Isaiah 55, in Psalm 29... In Psalm 107, God sent forth his word to heal and rescue. Also, the word makes sense on a basic human level. Who loves to talk to themselves? Anyone? Anyone? Just me and Ash? Maybe three of us. Crazy! It feels so good to talk to yourself, especially when I, sometimes I just need that feeling of just talking to myself. That's because a word gives expression to the inner thoughts and soul of a person. It expresses our inner thoughts, our inner self, our soul, even when we're alone. But it's even more satisfying to talk to someone and be heard by them. People always say, oh, I felt so listened to, I felt so understood. That is because our our word, not only does it bring forth our inner thought and soul, but it makes us known when there is a listener or when there is an observer. D.A. Carson says, In short, God's Word in the Old Testament and salvation, and the personification of that Word makes it suitable for John to apply it as a title to God's ultimate self-disclosure, the person of his own Son. Um, that's why the word, word is used. So this eternal person, the Word, became flesh and dwelt among us. And then goes on to say that the word is more than that, the word was with God and the this is a distinct person from the Father, but co eternal with the Father. So the first thing we learn is the Word was with God. Is better translated, the word was face to face with God. I was reading Hendrickson on this and he constantly actually translates it out from the Greek, the word was face to face with God, all the time. Gives us this idea of fellowship. can't be face to face if you are only one person. So there's two persons here. But face to face also gives us that idea of intimacy, of communion and fellowship. But then we're told that the word was God. These two persons are one God. Jesus, therefore, is God. Which sounds crazy, and some people try and take that out of John 1 to 18, which is impossible because it's a thread. Once you know it's a thread, you can tug on that thread and dismantle all of this. For instance, I'll give you one example of this thread running through the book of John. Jesus is God. So John gives us seven I am statements. I am is referring back to the burning bush when God revealed himself to Moses and said, I am. Talking about his eternal nature. He's being God. John, John links these all together with, by a thread. So seven, the perfect number of I am statements. So Jesus is saying, I am God, I am God, I am God, seven times. He also has seven just IHEMs that he throws out there mid-conversation. There's so much more, but I won't go there right now. What we need to know is the Word, Jesus, was with God. I'm going so quickly for good reason. We then learn this word was the creator of all things. It's stated both negatively and positively. Through him all things were made, and then without him nothing was made that has been made. So it tells us that he himself is not created, and it also tells us that there are no exceptions by the word. If you want to put a little reference in your Bible, because everyone's got them out, everyone's super keen, you're looking at these threads, you're getting into 1 to 18, I love it. You can go to Colossians 1 to 16, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Wow. Flesh. The eternal God, the all-creating, all-powerful God, became flesh and dwelt among us. You see, whenever we come to complex things, we get distracted. And what we do is we approach the text, we need the information of the text But the information is so vast and so amazing and often so confusing. Because John wants this not just to be informational but formational. It needs to form in us something. And we can see it. In his language, when he says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, it, a more literal reading is, the word became flesh, so God in the word became flesh and tabernacled amongst us. So once again, he's pulling on an Old Testament thread of the tabernacle. He's pulling on that thread. And we see his glory full of grace and truth. He pulls on that thread because he wants us to imagine the tabernacle. What was a tabernacle? I did some research and the tabernacle and all its contents, some nerds love to calculate how much just all the raw materials will be worth. Probably about $60 million. That seems to be the rough estimate. I don't know if I believe that. That seems crazy. Go home and do the math. It is glorious. Gold and silver and copper, all the finest things for the dwelling place of God. Jesus was nothing special to look at. We know that. But John is drawing us in here. He's told us about all these deep, amazing, huge truths of who the Word is. So that we can then see the person of Jesus and say, I behold his glory. The worth, its beauty. Look in Exodus, what is it, 35 to 37, I think it's built. Look at how intricate it is. Look at the detail. Look at the the value. That is what's meant to form in us a desire. John 1 to 18 isn't just merely theology and doctrine it is and it's wonderful love it learn it but it's meant to form in us a desire light-giving life-giving being and to behold his glory it's about worth and significance And it's a taste of worth and significance. Who goes to the Bunbury Farmer's Market? Wherever they go down south? Yeah? I go to the Bunbury Farmer's Market too. Because I walk through and you get those free tasters. Mm, (laughs) Mmm, num-nums. If you have any self-control, you can walk out. Tasters, he's that you put it in your mouth and you go like, damn it, now I have to buy this thing. It's so tasty. And that's what John's doing. He's saying, look at the tabernacle. Look at God. God with us don't you want this don't you want to know it more and it's about significance it needs to form in us an understanding of the significance of the person of we understand his significance Australia's is a weird place and perth's even weirder it's got this weird bubble right oh here loves football you, any Eagles fans? Eagles fans? And Dockers fans? One of two of you? Good on you guys. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, the funny, AFL's so weird. If you're a Perth player and you're walking around Perth, you are so significant. you of being worthy of attention or importance. If you're a Perth player in a Perth team, like a West Australian team, You are so worthy of attention and importance. You're strutting around Perth. People see him in cafes. Oh, look, it's Nick Nat. But if any of them go to any other country, people don't know him from a bar of soap. They are nobodies. They are of zero significance. They're just another person on the street. In fact, in most places in the world, they wouldn't even be able to describe what they did. I'm really significant. Why? Because I play football. Oh, you play soccer, do you? No, 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 no. We have like a weird-shaped soccer ball, and it's way more violent. People, they are of zero significance. But Jesus, there is no place on the space-time continuum you can go, and Jesus doesn't have significance. Nowhere. Past, present, future. There's no place. At a cosmic and eternal level... There is nowhere you can go where Jesus isn't significant and of ultimate worth. To the farthest reaches, he can be there and he's right next to a giant star, bigger than we can imagine, bigger than our own son that he made. How significant is Jesus to us? No, really imagine it, little bits that happen. That was an ordinary week. Imagine a few of the things. What was the most significant thing in your week? What was the most formational thing in your week? It's funny, I went for a run the other day and I have a fancy watch now. Welcome to 2021. And I've got a coach on my watch and it tells me how fast to run. So I'm running, and then I look down and it's like, too fast, not fast enough. In between, good, now you've got it. Step for a few k's how significant is Jesus in your life I thought I had the, the excuse of saying oh he's just become really familiar to me like he's just super familiar and so like then I lose an understanding of that eternal word that dwelt among us and his glory As he tabernacled with us. It's the familiarity thing. Maybe that's it. He laid on the chest of Jesus. And probably smelled his B.O. He walked with Jesus. Jesus on the road probably said. Hang on a second. I just need to pop into the bush for a leak. He was so familiar. With this word. Who became flesh. So familiar. Yet. Yet. He writes this after he's probably lost all of his friends, all persecuted and dead. All of the closest disciples, probably persecuted and dead by this time. Possibly most of his family. He's endured persecution himself, but he's left alive to be the witness. And he says, and he says, behold, see his glory. full of grace and truth. I really want to challenge you this morning. Familiarity. Please be ready to come with me on a journey through the book of John. I'm going to pray for us. God, oh Father, soften our hearts. Give us eyes to see. Help us not to just come to the word for information, but come with an attitude where we want formation we want you your thoughts your truths to form in us the desires that you want help us to want to know you through your word help us not to just see the beauty of john as a book help us to see your beauty and your glory Amen.